We have been having such a blast with the Makers of Minnesota dinners that we've been having at the Lexington, we've decided to change up the format a bit and have a spring cocktail party. That way, more people will be able to experience all of the great makers that we get to talk to. We're going to be having Prize Brewing, Vicre Distilling, Wild State Cider, Dash Fire, Crooked Water Spirits, Red Locks Whiskey, Lovejoy's Bloody Mary Mix, Denord Craft Spirits, Edina Roastery, J. Carver Distilling, Sweet Haven Tonic, Tattersall, Sherub Shrubs, Muddle and Mint, and Popped Corn, Salad Girl, Patty Spice Nuts, The Salsa Collaborative, and Tiarina Spices, all there at the Lexington during this cocktail party so that you can taste all of the unique Minnesota-made products that we have to offer. We'll be doing sample sizes of cocktails and sample sizes of canned cocktails, and we've got some great bites for you there. We're going to be at the Lexington. You can get tickets. They're $40 a person, and it's at thelexmn.com to order. And we will have all of the makers with us that night. All of the floors of the Lexington will be open, so you'll be having a multi-dimensional experience at each of the different floors and be moving through the space, trying lots of new Makers products and old Makers products that you know and love. It's the Makers of Minnesota Cocktail Party. Hurry and get your tickets, because when they're gone, they're gone. But we anticipate that this is going to be a sellout. We are really looking forward to hosting you. The cocktail party is going to be April 26th. It's a Tuesday night, and we will have doors open at 6 o'clock, and we will host you until 9. It's the Makers of Minnesota Spring Cocktail Party. I'll be there. All of the makers that I've mentioned will be there, and we can't wait to meet you. Everybody and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And today we are going to diverge from our usual talking to people about their products and how they make them, because there was a really interesting article that came out in the Star Tribune. We'll call it a feature because I think that's what the journalists call it. And it was iconic dishes that were featured in the Star Tribune taste section uh, last Thursday. And they had it divided into iconic dishes, and then they had icons to go, which featured a lot of Minnesota makers and products that I thought would be interesting to talk about because there's so many. I don't even know how I could have narrowed it down to 10 if my life depended on it. So I've got Joy Summers with me and Sharon Jackson. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. It is the first time I think either of you have been on this podcast, so it's long overdue. Thanks for having us. You bet. So do you, I'll I'll kind of address you by name since we have, it's hard to see because we're Zooming. So Sharon, I'm going to ask you to explain to me the iconic dishes um, aspect and why the Star Tribune decided to take this on. Yeah, well, this idea came to me when I was traveling with my family and I, we were in Phoenix and I was doing heavy Googling to figure out what we needed to eat while we were there. Um, I didn't want to go to Phoenix and leave without getting some kind of quintessential taste of the city. And so in that research, I thought to myself, this would be nice to offer to people who are coming to the Twin Cities and doing the same thing and want to know what they have to have here. And so I thought about what are the places that I take friends who are visiting from out of town or when my family comes to visit 
where do we go? And not just where, but what dish do they have to have? Like, what is that one iconic dish from, from certain places that you're getting a, a really true experience of what it's like to live here and eat here? It's not just general dishes like, okay, in Minnesota, people eat hot dish. Um, right. It's not, it's not that. This is, um, these are restaurants and producers who are making kind of the apex of their thing. And um, it's the thing everyone kind of goes to and knows about and talks about. Um, some of these are less expected than others, but, um, but I think a lot of people who have had them, even the newer ones will agree that they are kind of reaching icon status. They're, they're just doing the best that they can in that, uh, in that one dish. So Joy, how does this work? You're the newest staffer. So do you guys all get together and you're like, these are my 10, these are my 20, and then you whittle down the list? It was a, I mean, weeks of constant debate. We went back and forth so much right down to the wire, like really trying to make sure that we were honing in on places that had stories that were a really vital part of the fabric of the local dining scene, making sure that we were being inclusive and fair, but also, is it just really yummy? Like we just wanted to make sure that everything's really, really yummy. So both of us were, we were going out to eat separately together, coming back, reporting. It was, I've never worked this hard to compile a list before. Of, That's so funny because you've compiled lists, Joy. Oh my gosh. I have, yeah, in my previous employment, it was a list every day. And this just had more heft and weight and importance to it. We really did everything we could to make sure that we were narrowing in on a, a collection of eats that really told the story of, of where we are, who we are. And what you you got to taste? Like I kept saying, this has got this is worth driving across town in a snowstorm for. Yeah, like, I think that's our our Minnesota bar. <laughs> I I liked the way that you did that, and you know, it the crispy rabbit dumpling uh, that's at Nong Bistro. Yes, like such an amazing taste and something that's kind of unique to this place. And yet you also had like the basil wings from lap 14. You had, of course, the Szechuan um, dry rub wings from Monte Carlo. So it was the, those things amongst the chicken pot pie from the Lexington and the mm-hmm. toasted sausage bread from Hell's Kitchen. And and then the unexpected like shrimp toast from yeah. High High, which if you really think about that, that's an amazing dish that you can't. If you go to High High, like you have to order that because it's always exactly. so good with that jam. Yeah, I want to order the whole menu every time I'm at High High. I love that <laughs> restaurant so much. But somehow that shrimp toast that went from being something that was an occasional special to, I think people just kept demanding that it had to stay on the menu. It couldn't be something that went away. And when it did what go away, myself, plenty of other people freaked out. Yeah. And and she brought it back. Like, it's just such a yummy, yummy little taste of food and such a great little entry into the amazing Southeast Asian cuisine that Christina's doing. I think too, Sharon, when we talk about soft eggs and lobster bruschetta uh, <laughs> from Brasa, or not, excuse me, for not from Brasa, um, help me. Why am I a little blank? Thank you. 
it is, um, it is again, like something that's sort of understated because it doesn't sound fancy. And actually when you get it, it's not like really fancy, but it's the textures and the culmination of the whole thing that are so good. What was one that you were like, throw down or I'm leaving this room if it doesn't make the list? <laughs> um, well, I'll just say on that, on the that lobster and eggs bruschetta, like I love everything on the menu at Bar La Grassa, but every time I'm there, like you just see them flying out of the kitchen, like one after the other. And they have that big open kitchen and and you're just sitting there, I'm having my little pasta or whatever, but like everyone around me has that. And that to me is iconic right there. It's like the thing that everyone in this huge restaurant knows that they need to get. Yep. Um, and, and it's also really good. Um, but I guess the one that Joy and I maybe didn't totally agree on was the pancakes from Al's breakfast. I, I was a big proponent of that. Um, and, 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 and part of the charm at Al's is just the experience of being in this minuscule diner that you have to kind of like squeeze past people to even get a seat if you're lucky enough to get one. And, and all of that combined, it's, I mean, the place is really more iconic than anything, but to me, like those blueberry pancakes, um, are the perfect breakfast. And I wanted to see that on that list. Yeah. And something about leaving that place with the smell of fryer later grease in your clothes, like <laughs> you really feel like you were there. Like, I love that place because of it. And you got to kind of prepare mentally for what it is. Cause you're in the middle of a bite and someone's like, move down to the left. <laughs> right. But, totally. um, all right. So in terms of the icons to go, why did you include mm -hmm. this section? I thought it was unique. Um, well, I think that, um, I mean, part of it is obvious. These are just amazing products that, um, we love and that a lot of people love. And, um, and it's cool that you can take them home, <laughs> load up your suitcase <laughs> with hot sauce, you know, if you're leaving, but, um, I guess the, the idea started with our editor, Nicole Vidston, because, uh, as we were building this list, she said something brilliant, which was top the tater needs to be on this icon list. <laughs> who's a big fan of Chop the Tater. And that kind of un unraveled itself into, um, okay, these are more than just restaurant dishes that, that people need to know about. This is also um, things you can get at the grocery store. Well, and Top the Tater, I think Nicole and I have had a long dissertation on Top the Tater <laughs> because what you don't realize is if it sits out, I wouldn't recommend this, but it's still like the next day is pretty decent. <laughs> And I was like, wait, this isn't dairy. If it's like still this good the next day, I don't know. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Um, so there were 10 dishes, uh, sweet science, dark chocolate sorbet. Which one of you picked that? That was me. That's one of my dishes that like I, it's always got to be in my freezer. It's something that I will miss if I haven't had it for so long. And it's something that's really easy to share with anybody. Like if there's somebody who ha can't have lactose or can't do dairy or is vegan or something like, well, I don't know if it's vegan, but it's definitely got no milk in it. So it's, it's an all-inclusive flavor of hers. And it is so full of depth and creaminess for not having dairy in it that it's just kind of an astounding bite. And 
like the Rustica Bittersweet Dark Chocolate Cookie, if you are a chocolate fan, this is like the summit of Flavor Mountain. It's so good. And it's, yeah. So that was one that I followed that dish or that scoop, I should say, from her early days of just doing free samples all the way up to now I can buy it at my grocery store. And I do. She's a really wonderful person and I've interviewed Mm -hmm. her before and I just feel like she's kind of so, um, she's so humble that I think Mm -hmm. sometimes forget what she's doing over there with just really beautifully executed ice cream is fantastic. Like she's not Mm -hmm. going all crazy flavorish. She's got some good flavors that she gets a little crazy on, but she really is just honed in on the profile of what that mouthfeel and the ice cream should taste like, which I really appreciate about her. Um, Sweet Martha's cookie dough, which you can obviously get in the grocery section at the state Mm -hmm. fair. The salted nut roll and the nut goodie made the list. Now, I knew the salted nut roll would probably make the list, but that you added Mm -hmm. the nut goodie kind of warmed my heart because that little maple bomb is not for everyone, (laughs) but it's delicious. Oh, they're just icons. Like, I mean, when you're talking about the taste of our area, like that's that's the candy, right? Yep. One of the items that surprised me, not because I don't think it's excellent, because I do, Mm -hmm. but it's a fairly new entry into the Twin Cities food scene is the Nixta tortilla. Yeah, they are newer, and we do have a lot of great tortillas being made here, but these kind of change the the game. You know, Mm -hmm. um, Gustavo really brought nixtamalization into the um, lexicon here. Um, and mm-hmm. you're seeing it in more places, not only from other makers, but you're seeing next to tortillas in grocery stores. You're seeing it uh, being used on restaurant menus now. Um, and, uh, I even, I had a beer that was made with, with those tortillas, like steeped in, in the, the mix. So uh, I think that there, even though they're fairly newer to the scene, there's, there's almost an ubiquity coming from, from these, uh, nixtamalized, these like super, corn forward stone Mm -hmm. or you know ground um they're just different they're earthier and chewier than other tortillas out there and i think um people are really uh appreciating them i think yeah he's got that heirloom corn i just have to say when i open up that bag and smell it it smells like mexico city to me it smells like walking through the stalls and picking out your fresh produce and everything it is an emotional connection that I have immediately to the way those tortillas smell and that I can have that in my home. It's coming out of this little storefront in Northeast Minneapolis. It's just one of my favorite places that opened during the pandemic. Like I am so glad that they're here and they're making the Twin Cities a tastier place. I will say when I see that they're using their tortillas on a menu item somewhere, it it piques my interest because I know... Mm -hmm. Like, wow, because they're so good. And they're also freeze really beautifully. Mm-hmm. I take them and I put them in between uh, sheets of parchment paper and then wrap them up in uh, plastic and then wrap them up in tin foil. So I really get them, but they last forever. And I just pop five of them out when I'm making a meal or they're delicious. Uh, Lunds and Byerly's Wild Rice Sioux probably doesn't need a whole diatribe on this show <laughs> simply because we've all had it. We all love it. What's not to love? It's just comfort food in a in a bowl. And Can you believe I, though that there's one version is called chicken wild rice, and then another version they make is called wild rice with chicken. Like, I, I, totally different. There's, 
<laughs> and that people know the difference. I just think mm-hmm. the stones are amazing. <laughs> Isn't it because one has um, the ham? No, it's uh, that's a, a different one, one still. There's a third one with ham, but there's the the two different chicken ones. One is like creamy, has heavy mm-hmm. cream in it. I guess it's more creamy the than the other. More vegetable based, <laughs> huh? I don't think I knew that, you guys. Oh, well, there you go. See, and you were going to skip it. I was because I was just going to be like, <laughs> oh, we all love the wild rice soup. I did know there was a variation that some have ham and some don't, but so that's interesting. Okay, Peggy's pizza. One. Yeah, Peggy's Peggy's pizza. What I lobbied for this hard, and um, it almost didn't make it. But <laughs> I was like, this really has to be in there. I can't think of one pizza that everyone in the state can agree on besides this. And we a few years ago we did a frozen pizza bracket during like March Madness, and Heggie's won by a mile. I mean, it was like a huge, a huge ter- turnout of votes for for Heggie's. So um, to me, this can't not be on the list. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Like, give me a thick robe of cheese, that little zippy sauce <laughs> and the cracker crust, and I'm there 24-7. I could eat like a whole Heggie's pizza and often do alone. And other than that, you feel sick because you just ate like a half a pound of cheese. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. And those like those really like crusty burnt edges, like when, especially when you get them at a dive bar, especially like, I don't know, they have that little Heggie's pizza or whatever that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And they get like so burnt on the edges, but it's like so good that burnt cheese. It's kind of my favorite. (laughs) Well, and I don't know who picked, I think maybe joy might've picked the golden fig lavender lemonade. (laughs) That's my, that's my taste of summertime. That's my mother's day quencher. I love her whole line of coolers that she has. She does all these great, like fruity, berry seasonal uh, drinks in the cooler section there. But that, that's the one that I just want to sit in the backyard, maybe put some vodka in there, maybe a or little gin. gin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her and, basil lemonade, I think is pretty great too. Oh, yeah. uh, Crybaby Craig's hot sauce, I thought was a great introduction. It was like one of the first fermented sauces that I can recall. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a unique flavor like it's just like nothing else but it also hits all the things you want a hot sauce to do a lot of work on the food you want it to heat it up but you also want to add like a nice acidic flavor like to me really great hot sauce livens up cold frozen pizza like you put some hot sauce on it and all of a sudden it's a whole new dish it's a whole new day the hangover can't hurt you anymore that's right (laughs) and this is the one i want it on eggs i want it on pizza it's good for cooking with. I have the gallon size in my refrigerator. Like I use Crybaby Craig's every single day. It's really good. It is really good. Now here, I'm going to take issue with this last selection. And I want to be clear that it's not because I don't think it's great. I do think it's great. I think it's an amazing product. And I think their story is just being written. But it feels so new to be an icon, and that's Baba's Hummus. Now, again, I love this product, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering what got left on the cutting room floor that, like, this pretty newcomer into the scene got icon status. You know, it's it's a newcomer in the form of being in, a like, a plastic container on supermarket shelves, mm-hmm. but Baba's Hummus, like, the recipe for that has been around since 1979. Mediterranean Cruise Cafe in Burnsville is one of the oldest Middle Eastern restaurants in the state. 
And um, anyone who's been down there has probably had an amazing time, like sitting under that chandelier, like watching a belly dancer and eating like, yeah, just they the have lines out the door. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think in, in that way, that alone makes it sort of reach icon mm-hmm. status for me. And now the fact that it's everywhere and you can get it in grocery stores um, and there's all these new flavors and they're, they're, they were at the state fair this year in an adorable Airstream trailer. And they were one of the best new state fair foods from they last were. year, at least for us, they were like top of the list. So I think, um, you know, that history is part of why they got chosen as well, even though mm-hmm. I'd say it's my favorite hummus. I like the story too, in that it feels very next generation. Like mm-hmm. the kids are taking what their family has done and, giving it a twist and modernizing it, but yet it's still that same flavor. So Mm -hmm. again, like I said, I love it. I was just surprised to see it on the list. Was there, and and you probably, I don't know, can you say like anyone that didn't make it that you were like so sad that they didn't? Cause then they'll hear this and they'll be sad. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think I want to call through all the places, but we can say there were a lot of places that we really struggled with a lot of bites that we really struggled with. This was another thing where we went really back and forth on it. And can we have a Minnesota icon list that doesn't have Lefsa? What yes. about, yeah, Lutefisk? No, I'm not putting Lutefisk on there. Oh, how about the 90 year old <laughs> Lutefisk that they just uncovered at the Swedish Institute? Have you guys heard about this? Um, April Fools. Is that an April Fools thing? Yeah. <laughs> was it really? I think you got God. You got you. <laughs> okay, this is hilarious because I always get got on these. I don't have like, I'm not funny like that. Like I don't have a sense of humor. I'm gullible. I believe everything. <laughs> you do have a sense of humor. Did you, did you also you believe trusting. that? Did you also believe that peace coffee toothpaste? <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up because I saw that and thought it was dumb. But I was like, well, there's caffeine and everything nowadays. So who knows? <laughs> Okay, that's really funny. All right. Well, these are things to talk about on the weekly dish tomorrow, I'm sure. <laughs> you guys, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you for your work at the Star Tribune. My taste section is the highlight of my week. I'm still lobbying it for have it to have its own section again when maybe things pick up because Lord knows there's a lot of food to write about in this town. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Sharon. Thank you, Joy, for being my guest thank on the Makers you. of Minnesota. Thank you. Bye, gals. Bye. Bye.